0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined with Joseph, David, Sebastian and Danilo to talk about work-life balance. Before we get started into the topic, uh, David, could you take this time to introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely, Gemma. Uh, so, hi everyone, my name is David Morgenstern. I am heading up the people and culture function at Curb Food. So, I'm in the food tech industry and get to combine the two loves of my life technology and lots and lots and lots of yummy food.
0: Amazing. Joseph, would you like to go next?
1: Yeah, sure. Hey guys,
2: my name is Joseph. And I am a software developer in uh, currently in the medicine industry, where we do create a bunch of self-tests. Uh, so during the COVID uh, period, we have exploded, basically. Uh, my passions are gaming and psychology, and my current role is a team lead.
0: Amazing, Sebastian.
3: Uh, I work for Free Trade. it's a UK company moving into Sweden and my role is to sort of build the engineering competence there and uh, make sure we build uh, the company and the culture in where we want to work ourselves.
0: Nathan, and last but not by no means least, so Danilo
4: yeah uh, hello guys my, my name is danilo i am software engineer at viaplay a streaming service and um, nowadays i'm focused on like market expansion activities and we have just launched on the netherlands so yeah super super glad for it uh, that's me
0: Amazing, and I think we'll keep with you the to introduce your topic first, so we'll do this and then as usual go around and gather everyone's opinions and what they think about it and see if we can give you any insights. So would you like to introduce your question?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the, the, the topic I brought today is uh, is the question like, what are the strategies to define and respect boundaries when working from home? So my question for that is super simple actually I have a room at uh, home that I call it office and when I when I'm not at the office I'm not working so that's how I split like the responsibilities and uh, the concerns between like uh, personal and, and work life let's say so yeah that's my strategy
0: Joseph how do you go about that
4: Oof I
2: do the exact opposite <laughs> Um for me splitting the the life that i have outside of work and my current role as a team lead is more of a physical thing so i just leave my office room which i do have the same thing here set up they have a office but i do spend a lot of time playing games developing my own games and different kinds of projects that that i have here Uh, so for me it's more of a physical thing thing i need to physically remove myself from the space play with my kids Go out, go out into the uh industries, play with them there. And So that's the way I go about this. And of course, when when the when the kids are asleep, and at night I go back here, and then I take my the next part of my day, which is basically my passion: play games, like I said, draw stuff, etc.
0: Perfect. And David, what do you think?
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's a great question, and uh, I think personally i'm a i'm a bad example i worked only from home about three weeks uh, and i was then at clarna uh, when the pandemic struck and then i realized that this is not for me i i can't cope with working from home this much uh, for one thing i got way less exercise in when i worked from home i mean just naturally moving around in an office landscape I will typically clock in, I don't know, three, four thousand steps. uh, And at home, I I had like 200. uh, And and the stress reduction that you get from physical activity just wasn't manifesting. Uh, So after a while, I said, uh, uh, this is not for me. And I went to the office. And luckily for me, Klarna held its office open the entire time, of course, with with precautions. Uh, So I I, I guess I'm a bad example. I think I would go to and and build on what what Joseph said. Uh, I'm also into games and mainly wargaming and painting little miniature uh, soldiers and and playing with them. And I find that doing things with my hands really constitutes such a clear break from what I do at work. uh, That for me, it makes it possible to completely switch off and change context. And then after doing that for a while, I can function as a normal, private human being.
2: Can I just add to to, to the things that you were saying there? Um, I, I'm i actually an even worse example, because when the pandemic uh, hit, I actually had the worst combination of work-life balance, and I hit the wall, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. And I might go back to this uh, topic during this uh, podcast episode, uh, because I think this is uh, something that is... You're touching on something really important, and I think we need to dig more deeply into it, into
3: the uh, the topic.
0: Mm. Lovely, Sebastian. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think uh, the the core of the of the problem uh, has been covered by most people, like setting up boundaries. It can be like you have to be good at working remotely. So either you have it in your mind that you really like put up a boundary. <clears throat> Uh, mentally yourself or you have to have physical mechanisms like make sure that your phone doesn't uh, have notifications on after work hours, have a separate work phone that you can actually physically turn off, have a a work laptop that you can uh, close and things like that if you need that but otherwise you have to be very good at working from home which is an underestimated uh, concept because if you're in the same room where you work and where you have your spare time it could get blurry like you can start uh, sneak working against your own best uh, interest so yeah just find ways to to cut it uh, cut the two worlds apart and i think hobbies and things like that is a very good uh, mechanism to do it
2: i was thinking you're touching on a subject there uh, that i want to Continue on to. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to throw out the ideas that I have. Um, I compare myself uh, as having, uh, I guess, my own brother, for instance, he has uh, an apartment where he has just a few number of rooms you can spare, right? So he has a kitchen uh, and the laptop is on the kitchen table, whereas I have my own complete, like, separate room, separate section of the house that I could just have to myself. And Whenever they they he and his wife are trying to do having these pauses uh, or at least they in the past have pauses where they just switch things off they even though they are watching TV or they do something else the, the computer is always there there they always get reminded of the work that they that they are doing during the day and they just keep ending up um, with the computer on the on their lap and then just I ah, just kind of have this email sent before I go to bed and things like that and that is exactly I'm thinking that, that that was exactly the thing that you were mentioning there that there is a really there's a gray zone between when the when the day starts and when it ends and if you just do it throughout the, the whole day up until the the minutes before you go to bed that's not
1: healthy right no building on I think sorry Sebastian for interrupting and so you're getting ready but but from things that both of you were saying Sebastian and, and Joseph uh, I think Sebastian you're, you're hitting on a really uh, important concept there that working from home is a skill it's it's not something that just automatically comes to you when you wake up one day and like yeah okay I got this sorted uh, you, you need to actively work on it uh, when at Klarna uh, I took the help of a colleague there Christopher uh, who had passed as a time management consultant Uh, And we did a a training called time to lead, you know, how as a leader, can you free up time uh, in order to actually be there for your team and uh, have your one-on-ones, have your check-ins. One of the concepts that we were discussing then was exactly like you were mentioning about the notifications and just having those trainings made me turn off almost every notification whatsoever on my phone because I realize that you know it intrudes on my time but if I don't have notifications I can go in when I choose to and check things and then it's on my terms and you know I I can have ample time to actually sort out those tasks instead of just getting a stress reaction, getting a stress reaction whenever uh, it it pings and and you have those uh, red notifications. Now, I was about to build on something you said, Joseph, uh, but I completely forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I can just
3: shortly extend on that and say that it's good to keep in mind that depending on the company you work for, you might have to even like make a formal agreement with your employer that like I am not expected to be uh, reachable at certain hours. like. If it's too much gray zone, it's not really stated. Then maybe you uh, have some underlying uh, feeling that you that you feel like I need to be accessible in the evenings. But if you really put it into an official uh, point of culture, like no, you're you're only expected to be available during daytime that might also ease, ease the stress of like yeah but my colleague who's a really high performer he's always available so I should also always be available so it's better to just you know put it out there that no this is this is not expected
2: and that is something that your leader needs to be very clear on and uh, I in my role right now that you're touching on the exact thing that we did uh, when we went back from the COVID into a normal kind of a work day uh, we basically said, that, "Listen, guys, you don't have to be here if you're not un- if you're not comfortable. You just have to be available between nine o'clock and four o'clock during those times. If you choose to do something else during the the day, it's all up to you. As as long as you guys do your work, uh, basically, that's just the gist of it. But uh, my point here is that that is really something that we as leaders need to facilitate uh, and make clear to our uh, to, to the people that we lead, you're not expected to do more than this.
0: I think just to touch to what something David said earlier, talk about I love going in the office, I'm in the office now and I really disliked it when in the UK we had to work from home um, because of the restrictions. Um, but I love the commute. So it takes me 20 minutes. It's not very long to get to the office. And I always put a very like happy, like like loud playlist on and like just sing the entire journey there and the entire journey back. Um, and I always make sure it puts you in a very good mood going into the office. And then it just you don't think about work well, you try not to for those 20 minutes. And um, that's something you don't necessarily get working from home that I found really beneficial to that balance um you can't look at emails because I'm driving and different things like that and it's like that cut off point so I don't know whether that's something any of you guys do
2: maybe not in exact uh, yeah actually I do commute uh I work in Linköping which is basically like 30-40 minutes away from here by car um and that is the exact same thing except that I'm solo <laughs> so yeah I do get my cut off uh, but that's just something that that we can, that I can make use of now that we can go back into the office. That was a hard thing when the when we were restricted going outside. Uh, and I myself, I'm a free spirit, I really love to just do stuff and, and not think about what I am. I'm not a, I'm not a planner, I'm a doer, basically, whenever I feel for something, I need to be doing it. And I need to, I'm like a kid, I need to have my energy <laughs> exposed outside of my body. Uh, and having to work from home was one of those things i did re- re- didn't really know exactly when when i needed to go to work and yeah long story short yes uh, cutoffs are really good uh, for for me as a person
4: i i've read a, a article like um recently that uh, proposed like a kind of um, strategy which is that for example uh, as Gemma uh, said like oh my ritual let's say was to have a great playlist and this kind of prepared me for the work day, right? And uh, and the idea on this uh, article was like, okay, think of what you use it to do before going to work and after work, like for example, commuting, And then it can be like, for example, reading news or like listen to like some songs you like and things like this, for example, have a, a cafe on Starbucks, for example. But the idea is that although you work from home, do your ritual, because it's uh, beneficial for for you. And I found that uh, interesting. I didn't practice that much. I have more the decompressing ritual, which is like playing drums, like afterward. But but I found this uh, like very interesting.
0: Amazing. Um, David, would you like to move on to your question? Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Um, And one thing in all of this, that I think we we do have to be realistic about is setting expectations when when people are, you know, joining uh, the company. Um, I've been at a number of companies where I felt that, you know, what was communicated to new hires was very rosy. Uh, It it was a lot along the lines of, yes, we value work-life balance here. Yes, you can have a great you know work life balance here uh but then in reality when when you kind of scraped uh, the surface it was definitely a fact that in order to to get ahead in order to to be promoted in order to sometimes actually do your job you often needed to put in uh, more hours than just the normal 9 to 5 uh i mean i had periods in my life where i've clocked in easily you know 80 to 100 hours for weeks at end Um, and and it's it it does help you uh, to get ahead and it's you know it's very hard to change that system completely and 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 overnight Uh, and i remember i've never been able to locate it again but it was a wonderful like interactive little widget where three things were listed, great salary, fun and interesting tasks, and work-life balance. And however you switch the levers, you could only have two at a time. And I I, I do honestly believe that, that that is true. And overselling work-life balance doesn't set people up for success. I think it's, from my perspective, it's better to be realistic and say, um, yes, we expect people to work quite a lot at this company and if you want to reach the upper echelons of a company you do need to put in the hours however we're also going to be here for you to help you decompress to you know help you manage this situation but also be realistic about it that's my question and my two cents sorry Gemma i couldn't uh, hold my my thoughts back but i'm I'm super curious to hear what uh, all the rest of you think about this topic.
2: I can start off with saying that, yeah, um, I I feel the same way that you that you've been telling uh, in terms of the expectations are basically underselling what is what is expected of you, expecting of you, uh, and I fell for it, I would say. But also, since I myself am such a like quotation mark, uh, high performer, I really love to like dig in deep into what I'm doing. Um, that fell normally for me into place. And of course, what, the problem with that is that it sets me up for a bubble kind of a view of the uh, of the company. This is what you're supposed to do, right? And then you start to just live that way and think that this is this is what it's supposed to be. Uh, so you don't question it anyway. And you just go with it and you just go with it and and then sometime down the road, you bump into the bump into the wall and you just can't realize it, hey, when did I, when did I go wrong? What was the, the where was it that, that I took the left turn instead of just uh, taking the right one or et cetera. Um, so definitely, I definitely concur with you that companies are underselling what is expecting, expected of them. but uh, also on the other hand, if you from from a company perspective, if you want to go, how how to put it? Um, you want, for the most part, companies want to make money, right? They want you. They want to build a culture that they can, in the end, just make even more money because they want to have more uh, people that they can hire, so they can get even more customers, et cetera, et cetera, build relationships with external companies. So, um, from a from a business aspect of this. I think this is kind of natural, but you need as a company and the leaders within the company need to be able to set the set a believable and like stepwise stepping up plan and not just explode into oblivion. I've mm. been at a couple of companies like that where when I started, we were just a few people and then all of a sudden we had these super deals and we just exploded in terms of the number of uh, employees that we hired, and uh, yeah, it didn't end well, uh, and that was one of those things because the the people that we hired from the beginning was super high performers, uh, and they they just it just went by itself, right? Um, so so you need you as a leader need to be able to just say stop, this isn't this isn't our, one of our core values. We shouldn't be uh, following this lead. This far in because this affect us, affects us in a negative way, and I think way too few companies are actually taking that as a consideration. That was one of the longest uh, answers to your <laughs> question there, but I think that's that's just spontaneously out on, on top of my head. That's what I
3: feel. Yeah, I think it's a two two way uh, or it's a two part. Uh equation right so you need to make sure that the company ha- like sets the realistic ex- expectations right and like you said uh, uh, david and uh, protect the people so that they you know last <laughs> long at the company and hopefully afterwards as well so that's like one part of the equation but it's also so that's the responsibility of the company but there's also responsibility in the in in the individual uh, you need to do some due diligence yourself you know if the average age at the company is like 23 then maybe work-life balance uh, is not actively not prioritized but not even like a factor that people even understand or consider uh, and then the culture will be as it is that it's you know you're you're, you're living in the office uh, and and the other part is uh, people who excel are high performers like we use that ex- uh, we use that expression for a reason high performer, but that doesn't mean uh, high, uh, what's it called, high volume, it can also be high effectiveness. So it's your own responsibility to find a way where you can be highly uh, performant with more uh, more quality than quantity. Uh, and then, yeah, again, it's, that's the hard part to, in the due diligence, ask the people you're in contact with at a company, you know, I plan to uh, deliver a lot of good stuff, but maybe not uh, the highest volume. Of course, they cannot say no. So you need to to see how the culture is with other people who work there. But it, you should be able to get a hum by uh, by talking to a few independent people.
4: Building on like uh, what Joseph like uh, brought, I believe uh, it, it happens um, because uh, sometimes like. You fall in love with a company because of, of the employer uh, branding and then you got you get hired, uh, but actually who like manages you like your immediate leader is not the one like promoting this culture. And then uh, what I believe and um, uh, is that I mean, I would buy this argument like 100%, but uh, my last um, work experience, uh, work experience uh, at uh, Um, Yeah, my last uh, work experience, actually, uh, I had a a leader, actually, my manager, he was like, all the time saying, okay, Danilo, you are an overperforming, overperformer, but you don't need to work extra hour, that's bad for you, that's okay, and kind of, I, I felt like I feel pushed because I want to deliver, and sometimes I feel like the imposter syndrome and things like this, so I put more effort on things, And then it was amazing to finally, once in in my entire life, to have someone to say, hey, I see the results, this is working, so you don't need to push more, that's that's fine. And uh, I think that's the deal, like, we need leaders, I mean, immediate leaders, uh, to have, like, courage to exercise these company values in detriment of, like, short-term results, because, as you said, uh, Joseph, like, in the long term, it will be like uh, profitable for the company, but uh, I, what I see is that um, right now we kind of like put our like healthy our health at stake um, just to like achieve some like small and short term like goals. So at first it seems a good idea, but actually it makes us like burn down and things like this burnout. Actually, the term so. Uh, yeah so that's it so i though i believe it can be clear for from the company like okay this is the expectations the execution of these ex- expectations needs to be also monitored somehow so that's my two cents
1: super quick fire round
4: um if
1: you saw an ad which described a uh, really attractive job and in the ad it was said we expect you to work uh, 12-hour days and when required, as much time as, as it takes. How, how would you feel about applying for, for that job?
2: I would definitely not go for it because, uh, yeah, on the one hand, it's good that they that they tell you, hey, you're supposed to work 12-hour days. On the other hand, I know my self-value. And I know that I'm not I'm not going to put in more into the company that if they force me to work that much, they mean that they value me less than I value myself. So that's the reason why I wouldn't want to go uh, and take that job offer, even though the salary would be like way out there. Um, it doesn't help because salary is just one way. That that's an external thing that gets you motivated from one month to another over a certain period of time, but if if you do stuff that you feel like aren't in relation to what you get out of it, then you just, uh, for me, that's not worth it. So I would, I would definitely not go with it, but it's a good thing that they are open with it. I mean, that's one way to see it.
4: Daniela, Sebastian? Yeah, I would say I would, uh, I would avoid, uh, the position although we know i we know that sometimes it's not written there but it, it actually happens afterwards so yeah but i would avoid
3: i think there's hidden uh, ways to write it i've seen some ads where it's like we're hungry and we're ambitious and and they then then they don't uh, mention work-life balance then that's a strong hint but I think it's in the interest of, of everyone in the equation to be as honest as possible. Because if you write in the ad, like you have a free budget for any hardware you want. And you come in and they're like, here's a calculator from Texas Instrument. Uh, you know, that sort of gap in in expectations is going to be a disaster. And it's, you know, it's going to end quickly. So it's, it's in everyone's uh, interest to be honest. And then, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be that explicit with the 12 hours per day but like yeah we we work hard that's the culture we have good and then sure there's a lot of young people who don't know the limitations who uh who are upfront experience
2: i wanted to add in uh, another thing here uh, you didn't actually say what kind of a work it is so 12 hours 12 12 hours a day might be okay for a certain amount of time if i like do it three days a week and then i have the rest of the week off Then you balance it out in a different way. Uh, So 12 hours a day might be okay, depending on the thing.
0: I'm going to go for the opposite answer. I'm going to jump in. So I I work in recruitment Um, I work about 12 hours a day and not every day, but I'm going to go for six and five days a week. Probably I work most Saturdays or half of a Sunday. So probably average at 12 hours, five days a week. Um, but I really enjoy my job I get to speak to people like you and what I put into it is what I get out of it so it's kind of an internal motivator but probably something I could I'm only 21 so I could probably do it for another five years and then when I want to settle down it's probably going to be change to your answers but yeah I guess it depends what it is
2: (laughs) that's quite interesting uh
1: young people these days.
4: Hmm.
1: <laughs> but, but interesting, and, and, I mean, thanks for the answers. And I think the reason for my question is how open and upfront can you be with something like that? At what stage do you have the realistic quest, uh, discussion around it? Because if, if you write it and I, I mean, my thoughts would be if someone writes it in the ad, very few people are gonna apply. Um, so when do you have the discussion about how it really looks so you don't sugarcoat, 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 and then bam, reality hits.
3: Oh. But if reality hits too hard, then it's you know you're gonna burn your reputation on the market. Uh, so I think it's it's not good to fly under the radar. And I would agree with what what was said earlier. Uh, When I was younger and didn't have like two children, uh, I definitely worked more than 12 hours per day, but it was like my hobby. I learned about technology, programming, podcasts all night, all day, uh, commuting. So yeah, if it's really like when you're in the volume over quality face uh, and and you know like you can, you can make your hobby your job mm. a lot easier so I think we're talking we're talking from the perspective of uh, more senior people with uh, that need the work-life balance like I, I don't felt like I was <laughs> much in need of that balance uh, 10 years ago. Yeah.
2: I want to just add something sorry uh, uh, David there. Uh, you said that work-life balance wasn't a thing for you I would say the balance itself had a different meaning Uh, it was still a work-life balance thing but it was more like you set yourself up for success during your early days right it's it's like going to school you you go your first nine years in school then if you if you perform well in the in, in the early days then you could just uh, continue riding that wave later on but if you have a bad start then you're going to have a bad uh, continuation and I think that when you say that uh, during the early days you didn't have a work-life balance thing you did it's just that the focus was different uh, that's my way of, of seeing
3: it yeah in my case I wasn't actively I wasn't doing a classical investment in being successful late it was just it was my hobby uh, so it was just my life was my not really work. My life was programming, and then
1: my work was happened to be programming. So it was just,
3: in my case, pure luck,
1: maybe. I, I think, just building on Sebastian, what you said with the kids, I, I had the same experience that nothing forced me to be efficient before having kids. I I could, you know, towards the end of the day, slack off a little bit because he knew that, yeah, I, I, I can be here to seven, I can be here to eight, it, it doesn't really matter. But you know, as soon as you have that hard daycare deadline, uh, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm telling you Gemma, nothing is as hard a deadline as a daycare closing <laughs> deadline. And the social shame when you show up. Uh, uh, n- nothing's as hard as a daycare deadline. And if you happen to miss it by an hour, and you come and your kids are standing on the sidewalk outside of the daycare center with, um, you know, a person pointedly pointing at their clock and shaming you into never doing it again, that you're never going to do it again. So...
0: <laughs> I look forward to that day. <laughs> um, <shows laughs> we... for...
1: oh, sorry,
2: we... did you just say that you look forward to leaving your kids <laughs> an hour late? <laughs> oh,
4: <really? laughs>
0: I remember this moment, I'll message you and be like, You won't believe what's happened today. <laughs> um Joseph, should we move on to your question? Yeah, sure.
2: My question is uh touching on what we do as society as a society, as uh persons and people standing next to people who have been hit hard by a bad work life balance. Uh I myself, like I said, I love doing Investing in myself in a lot of things. A lot of people are really good at playing the drums or the guitars. I love playing games, but my forte is learning things. I really love investing time into like looking looking up things and just dig deep into any kind of technology. And that has taken me ways that I haven't like. If I just compare myself to someone else, I was like, "Wait, how, wait, how haven't you done this?" And then when you look back, uh, just like a month or two you see that, hey, you just hit the wall. And for me, it was uh, a, a huge wall Um because, first of all, COVID hit. Um No, sorry, it was before COVID. Uh, I had a – we bought a house. We got a kid, and I stopped uh, – I jumped the train basically from uh, one company and started my own. So there were three things, uh, <laughs> huge things, lining up, and the plans were just – Aligned for a a disaster, so that's what happened. Especially when the when COVID hit, my brain basically just stopped functioning, and I'm still feeling the aftermath of that. And there is a, there is a kind of a shame that hey, I can't talk to my boss because I've had a bad experience with this, uh, because I'm a self feed it. I know that the society doesn't maybe look at it the same way that I do, but uh, there is that's one aspect of of the whole. Uh, having hit hard having hit the wall hard um so but the the worst part of actually being there is that your family is affected by it right so now my wife is having the same issues that i have that i had so i'm right now living with not only the the, the shame uh, I'm, I'm making it sound worse than it actually is <laughs> uh that you can't really talk about hey you i need to go down in in time Twenty percent, thirty percent, fifty percent, and then stepping up uh, even more than that. But then also you have to take care of the family and your people around you, and all the things that, all of the things that come crashing down because of your bad decisions. And I just want to throw this this topic out there because it is something that we don't talk about as much as a society or as people or as leaders. How you deal with people who have been hit hard by this, who who are super achievers, who are uh, people who really want to go get get somewhere, but then in the end just fall short. And how how do you, as leaders, make sure that you stop them before actually getting there, without saying that, "Hey, just stop it, don't do this," uh, in a demeaning way or any way like you need to speak to them through their language, right, with the the way that they think. And if you as leader, if you as a leader haven't been experiencing that. I find it quite hard to say that, hey, don't do this because you're going to fall short, and this is what's going to happen afterwards. So I'm just going to throw out this topic out there: How do we, as a society, as individuals, live with the aftermath of that kind of a, uh, that kind of a fallout?
1: I I can uh, I can jump in and uh, I think view my answer both from the lens of I mean, being a manager myself, I'm also a licensed psychologist by training. Um, I mean, my, my first answer is, is kind of related to to labor law uh, and very strict foundations of what, at least in Sweden, the legal requirements are for, for a manager. I mean, as a manager, you are legally responsible for the health, safety and well-being of your employees. Uh, and, you know. In in our kitchens that we operate, it's very clear, it's like burns, it's cuts, it's spills. Uh, but in the office, it's less clear and less strict, but it has a lot to do with uh, mental health and mental well-being. Um, and I mean, simple yet effective things is to always ask, hey, how are you doing? Uh, simple retro exercises around... What are the stress levels right now? If one is, you know, zen-like calm, and ten is the most stress you could ever imagine, uh, you know, please everyone rate yourselves, and we'll talk about it. We'll we'll go through it. Um, it might not yield the most accurate and best information upfront because there are stigmas around this, as as you're touching on, Joseph. Um, and, and people might not be one hundred percent comfortable opening up, but do it repeatedly, and over time, i'm I'm sure you'll get more and more kind of accurate information. Um, on the second topic of how do we deal with people that have had this uh, experience, um and I think I, I really like also that you you add that are you know high achievers, that are high performing, that have a lot of potential. I, I mean, in a way, we should treat it as a diversity question. You know, uh, for, for me, the heart of, that, of, of why driving diversity is a firm belief in meritocracy. Like, I, I think true talent is normally distributed in any population. Um, and if we only take from a, a, a small part of that population, we will never have the best of the best. So the best, the best can be among the groups that are you know, highly introverted. They can be amongst the groups that have suffered a burnout. They can be amongst the groups that don't have a formal uh, university education. So I think it's part of our responsibility. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at me and, and Gemma now that are doing a lot of recruitment and, and working on the talent acquisition side of things to always be on the lookout and, and bring people in. And in the same way that... You know, if I bring in someone that's very, very junior into a position, I know that I'm going to have to devote much more time and efforts getting her or him up to par, teaching them the, the basic systems that we use and everything, uh, taking on board someone who has suffered a burnout. I think we would need to, to treat with, with a similar kind of lens, and that it, it's not just going to be plug and play. I am gonna, as a manager, need to devote more efforts. I'm I'm gonna have to stage the onboarding, probably at a slightly different pace. I'm gonna have to be more observant upon signals uh, of of you know how this person is doing. Ah, that that's that's just the first kind of things that would spring to mind in in this. But uh, a really great question, Joseph. I'm sorry to hear about your experiences.
2: <laughs> Don't be. I'm actually happy that it that it happened. Uh, because it just makes me, I just reevaluate stuff, right? Uh, for me, I don't value money as much as I value my health, uh, as much as I value my interest, as much as I value. Like, hey, 30 years from now, when my ghost looks down on my death, the dead body, I can just say, hey, I did everything I could, right? Uh, so so for me, it's more uh, the focus has just shifted. What is the worst part of this? Like having through, having gone through an experience like this, is that the people around me have been suffering because of it, and that is for me something that's really, it touches me really hard in places that I like really deep uh, inside of me, and that is that is just an annoying thing. But that's not something that I talk about. Right, I'm not that open with my employer. Hey, this is what I've gone through, and I'm, I'm seeing that there is a risk if I look at this from the outside. Uh, kind of a lens. As a manager, do I see this in me as the the one who has been who has gone through this?
3: Thanks for your five cents, by the way. Being a high performer is sort of a gamble in a way. Like a lot of it is not only intrinsic. It's like I want to push hard to. To win, like in any sport, video game, whatever you want, like you, you're you're ready to take a lot of risks to achieve something beyond baseline. So I think this is sort of inherent in that way. I don't think you can be uh, a high performer without uh, risking. Like it's not automatically going to happen, but it's it's part of the part of the risk. So uh, maybe just making people aware of that. That's the downside, but. Uh, it's really hard um, to relate if you haven't experienced it, right? Uh, And and that goes for for most things. Uh, I've heard people who can't relate to people who are allergic. They're like, (laughs) I ate almonds yesterday and today I ate peanuts, you know, just eat peanuts while another person dies from it. Like you, you, it's some, sometimes it's hard to, uh, uh, to relate. And, uh, and that's part of you know, accepting people who are different. We need to also start thinking about people who cannot relate because it's just not there. Like, why does a broken leg hurt? I never broken my leg. Like, uh, there's a lot of blind spots for a lot of people. Uh, but the most dangerous part of of burnouts with high achievers that I see, which makes you you other guys's uh, uh, answers a little complicated, which is that I my experience is that high achievers don't feel it coming. So if you ask them, like, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. You know, they can, I just, you know, I didn't sleep too well last night, but I'm I'm great. Uh, and that's actually what they feel. Because again, there's no, uh, n- nothing to relate to, no perspective. It's like, yeah, I, I just, you know, I haven't slept in a week. Oh, I haven't slept in a month. Uh, but that's just how it is right now. It's, It's just a slump. Uh, so that, that that makes the equation really hard and really hard to catch. And if someone is a high achiever, you can't just say like, uh, excuse me, could you not be a high achiever? Because you might burn out. Again, if there's nothing to re- no perspective, uh, the person just going to be like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Don't worry. So th- this is even, even more complicated than uh, maybe described because the person themselves don't know. And there's n- rarely like, if you know the person really well maybe if your family you can start seeing signs small small signs over time but you know your colleagues uh, that's a, a little bit more difficult so yeah just give give all the support you can up front and uh, try to i think that's why maybe it's the only positive side of burning out is that you actually can hopefully convey the experience to someone else
2: i just want to add to something you, you you're spot on uh in terms of hey i feel i feel okay i feel okay um I, in the cases where they when something went wrong and i didn't complete my task it wasn't that i thought that hey there's something wrong with uh i should slow down it's more that i got annoyed because i didn't achieve the thing that i wanted to achieve um so the, you're, you're spot on with the things that you're saying there uh, because this, the perspectives don't, you can't, you can't relate to something if
4: you haven't experienced it before.
0: Danilo, what do you think?
4: Yeah, actually, first of all, Joseph, if I'm sorry for, for here, like your experience and uh, what about David said, uh, the only thing I, I, I have to say is that I could like have been like uh, listened to you like for hours and I w- wouldn't be like okay with that because it was super interesting. Uh, in my opinion, uh, um, like sometimes uh, from the leadership perspective, let's say sometimes, uh, although you know that uh, a person like, for example, a young professional is like uh, heading to a that end, let's say um it's often uh for us to notice that this person is not prepared to understand it so if you tell them perhaps they won't like realize because that's okay like we have like different moments uh, in, in our life so uh you can't like prevent them from like hitting the wall as you mentioned but what we can do is to monitor the path also to like um help them to have takeaways and to learn with this uh, experience and of course since you know what's happening of course you perhaps need to do some damage control as well afterwards I mean uh, I'm not sure if it it would be applicable in your experience because it was super particular and I I don't believe you Um, yeah I think this was super particular I don't believe someone could have helped you because it was a super complex Uh, Situation, but thinking about like uh, regular situations in an office, not in an office, because remote first Uh, in a like work environment, uh, like normal, not normal situations, but like situations that happen often. um, I think this leadership, like let's say, overseeing, uh, is enough to at least I don't know make sure you are not like bumping into the wall again um, afterwards. So yeah, that's my that's my idea.
1: I'd like to just throw in a quick uh, challenge to what Sebastian said. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure this wasn't your your meaning, Sebastian, but uh, uh, the, the question, how are you doing? Yes, it's not going to be a catch-all. Some people will lack the self-insight. That doesn't make it a less powerful question or less needed uh, question um, for, for a lot of managers that do not have the skills in spotting you know the other signs, you know when when people start forgetting things or getting unnecessarily agitated about small things, you know you, there there are a lot of signs that you can use to classify someone that's reaching burnout. But just as a to to raise the lowest level, adding that simple question on a frequent basis, I think can can still do a lot of good. It won't catch anything, not not by a long shot. Uh, but just to anyone listening to this pod, uh, I, I highly encourage you to to still to 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 ask that question. And if your if your interest goes deeper, read up. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of good literature out there and a lot of good questions and diagnostics that you can run.
2: I wanna to add to the, the thing that you said there. Um, the question per se is maybe not the the central thing, right? Uh, how you're feeling, it's more that when you ask that question, you're actually building the relationship with your, with your employee and that in turn gives them the confidence and the, the courage to go up to you and say, hey, this is how I actually feel. I, I didn't wanna take it up in front of everyone else, but hey, look, look at this. Uh, can I take the off, day off or whatever? So, so the question per se, my point is, isn't the, isn't the essential thing we as people, we need to converse with each other to build relationships uh, with our, uh, with our employees, basically, uh, with the friends, etc.
0: Amazing. Um, Sebastian, would you like to move on and introduce your question?
3: Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, my question was quite simple, which is like the end. It's it's a good uh, good timing that it comes at the end, uh, and it relates to everything we have discussed, which is basically like how uh, how do you measure or gauge that you are successful uh, with the work life balance? Because you know, with the with the perspective of uh, many people burning out without seeing their own signs and not knowing it. Uh, it's kind of hard, is yeah, maybe to to gauge and have like a dashboard for yourself, like oh now I'm on the way to burnout because of these signs, or uh, I'm doing this really well, like I'm really I'm a 10 out of 10 work life balancer, or oh, this week was eight. Like, uh, do you have any uh, objective, uh, at least as as close to objective as? Uh, possible ways to know which is not just like yeah i feel good like my my, my gut feeling is good
4: i i have something actually it can prevent uh, from happening because i needed to like bump into the wall as you guys said and uh to understand that but nowadays uh, i feel successful like balancing work and life because i feel that i have like time for my personal stuff for example there was a time where i was kind of working, I don't know, 20, uh, 12, 14 hours a day and uh, like mixing, oh, it's my life, you know, like I like got up and then I worked and then like, oh, before sleep, oh, let me just check some emails or just let's just, um, yeah, uh, take advantage of this idea in my mind and prepare a PowerPoint presentation. And I I couldn't notice that how harmful it was, but nowadays, with the boundaries I kind of set, I noticed that I have much more time to like talk to like family that I, I I enjoy, like, for example, like to do some hobbies like drumming, like cooking. And also like my weekends that previously was kind of booked for things that I didn't have time to do during week for work, now I can like do, I like, for example, uh, tourism in my own city, for example. So that's how I measure that now I'm being successful. But I'm not sure if I would be able to notice that if I was doing the same thing as I'm doing now, like but previously before bumping to the wall. So yeah, I, I don't know.
1: David? yeah, I, I mean, the most hardcore answer to your question, Sebastian, would be there are companies that provide devices that will continuously measure the cortisol levels, uh, in your saliva or, you know, in, in your blood, even, Uh, I mean, that, that would be the most hardcore measure and a a very accurate one of actual stress levels. But, but if we disregard those, because I don't think they're a feasible solution in, in most situations, uh, I would sort of list out, but, but actually, both on the private side and on the, the work side, what are the things that you really want to do on a weekly basis and, and actually be quite numerical about it. So I I know for myself, if I don't get in like two solid games of Warhammer 40K each week, uh, I've probably worked a bit too much. Uh, but also on, on the work side, if I haven't been able to conclude certain deliverables, because I had to rush off and do family stuff, I will be equally annoyed because then the the balance is flipped to, to the other side. Uh, now my kids are eight and 11. So I'm kind of getting out of the stage where I need to be very, very hands-on with them, which has actually freed up a bit more time for me to focus on work, which I welcome because sometimes I was stressed out by, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I have to leave work and I have to go home and uh, cook food and do this and do this and da, 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 da. So not all family time is quality time. (laughs) It's a lot of chores as well. Um, But, you know, if you keep uh, some kind of tally on, am I finding time to do the things I want in my private life and in my work, then you're kind of safe. But as soon as you start like, no, I didn't have time to do anything of this, anything of that, then you're probably... Edging towards burnout.
2: Uh, for me, it's more of a thing that Danilo mentioned there. You um, said that you, you have time for doing stuff. For me, it's related to it, but more I have interest in doing stuff, uh, which are outside of work, right? So when you when you do when you are burned out, your brain goes basically in hibernation mode. So getting those those small steps back getting interesting things uh were for me the the steps that I saw, hey i'm on on I'm, I'm on my way to be to become better uh, and nowadays it's just as soon as i as soon as i uh, leave work and i do things that bring me joy and i say joy because there's there's an inherent value with the word uh joy when you actually feel something that this is something you want to do um that's for me a metric that I can find that this uh this is for me a, a something that is valuable and uh yeah a way to measure my well-being
0: amazing I think that was a really good last question to round it off thank you Sebastian do you have anything else to add no well, thank you. I've really enjoyed listening to all your opinions and I think we've grabbed some great insights into work-life balance and gathering all your different ideas. It's been it's been wonderful to listen to, so thank you so much for sharing. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this as much as I have. It'd be great to hear your thoughts below. Um, but thank you so much to Joseph, David, Danilo and Sebastian for joining me today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed speaking about this topic.